Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. How many of you can identify? And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and what? Die. Then Elijah in verse 13 said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Verse 15, So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you this morning that the word which you spoke through your prophet Elijah is true for us today. And God, I pray that as we look deeper into the fact that you are truly a God of promise, that we would see this morning that you're also a God of provision. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name, and God's people said amen. Amen. And amen. So when we look at this story, Elijah has been camping out at the brook. And now that it's dried up, he has nothing to drink. He has no water. So God says to Elijah, listen, go down to Zarephath. I want you to go down there. The Lord commanded him to go. The name Zarephath, the name of that town in the Hebrew, comes from a word that means refinery. It's literally a workshop for melting and refining metals. Isn't it interesting that after Elijah's been camped out at this brook, feeling fearful, feeling isolated, feeling depressed, that God has to dry up his source of life and send him to a place of refining. How many of you have had God send you to a place of refining? 
before. And so God commands him to go to Zarephath, the place of refining, because God had commanded a widow there to provide for him, to take care of a need that he had. That word commanded in the original language, it literally means to give a charge, but it also means to appoint. So in other words, God had appointed a widow there to take care of the need that Elijah had. God had already gone before Elijah to provide an answer to his need. The God of promise is a God of provision. And so Elijah gets to Zarephath, he gets to this place of refining, and he sees a widow gathering sticks. And so he approaches her, and he says, hey, can you go get me some water? And scripture says, as she goes to fetch it, as she goes to get it, I love that, she went to do what the Lord spoke through the prophet, and as she's going to get it, she's met with another request. So the first request that she gets for water, she thinks, okay, I, I can handle that. I can give you a drink of water. And as she's going to get it, after that first step of obedience, Elijah says, hey, hold on a second. Can you bring me back some bread? And this woman is thinking, wait a minute. I can give you some water, but I don't have bread for you. I, I can't meet that request. I can't meet that demand that you are making of me. Now you have to understand the scenario for a widow during the time and culture of Elijah. You see, there were no food stamps. There was no WIC program. There was no Department of Aging to take care of an aging widow. There were no services to provide shelter for her until she could get on her feet. And so all she had was all she had. She didn't have an abundance. She didn't have anything stored up. She didn't have any savings or anything that she could fall back on. If we look through the Old Testament, we find the word widow 56 times. If you were to look at a widow in Old Testament times, poverty and indebtedness would be descriptive of their financial status. So when their husband had passed away or was killed, oftentimes the widow was left to pay the debts of her husband with no means to do so. She became the poorest of the poor in society. She was left with nothing. Because of a woman's status in that day, she wouldn't have inherited anything. So even if her husband did have something, it wasn't going to her. And so if she had, if her husband had property, if he had land, if she was able to maintain it for a child, a male child at that, then she could put it into some sort of a trust that he would be able to inherit and take care of once he was mature enough to do so. But many times this was not the case. The widow didn't have any children or any male children. Then the, the land, the property would go to the next of kin who was a male. So she was left with virtually nothing. And so here we have a widow with a son. 
left with nothing after her husband is gone, and Elijah makes this unthinkable request of her. Hey, lady, I need you to go get me some food. And she's like, listen, I came out here to get some sticks so I could make a fire and go home and cook my final meal for my son and I, because once we eat that, that's all we've got, and then we're, we're going to die. That, that's the reality of what's going to happen to us. I have nothing that I can give to you. And so I wonder this morning how many times God has asked something small of us. He's asked us just to do a, a simple task. He's asked us to obey him in just a very minuscule way, such as a glass of water. Elijah asked for a simple glass of water, and she thinks, okay, I can do that. And so God asks us to do something simple, and we say, okay, God, no problem. I, I got it. I can do this. I can handle this. And then after we take that first step in obedience, God says, oh, hey, by the way, I want you to do this too. I want you to go there too. I want you to talk to this person too. I want you to give to this too. And we think, God, wait a minute. I can do what you asked me to do at first, but I can't follow through with the rest of it. It's just too much. Maybe God's asking you to physically lend a hand to someone. You say, God, uh uh. Anybody but that person, I'm not doing this. Or God says, you know what? I, I want you to go here and I want you to tell this person this. You say, God, I'm not opening my mouth. I'm like Moses, I can't talk. Or God says, you know what, I want you to give just a little bit more financially to whatever it is. And you say, hold on a minute, God. I've already put my 10% in the offering plate. I can't give any more than that because I won't be able to pay my bills. Won't be able to put gas in my car. Won't be able to get a meal. God, how can you ask this of me? We've all been there. I've been there. There have been times that I've sat in services and I knew that God was impressing on my heart to give toward a particular missionary or give toward a particular building fund. And I sat there with my fists clenched, holding on to my last $20 because I thought, God, if I put this in the plate, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get home today. I'm not going to have anything to eat. But the God of promise is a God of provision. And so I can promise you this morning that when you're obedient to do what it is that God asks of you, whether you think in the natural that you can do it or not, the God of promise is a God of provision. And never once has he failed. Never once has he failed to provide. He promises to supply all of our needs according to what? His riches in glory, which are in Christ Jesus. Notice he says, provide all of your needs, not necessarily all of your wants. I will provide all of your needs, says the Lord. So Elijah asked the unthinkable. And the widow says, listen, this is my situation. I don't know what you want me to do. I, I can't physically do this because my son and I have to eat. This, this is all that we've got. We're going to eat it. And we're going to die. The Hebrew word for die that the widow uses here can be used to talk about a natural death or a violent death. 
It refers to dying prematurely or to being killed. And so the widow said to the prophet, listen, this is literally going to kill me. It's literally going to kill me. You're taking everything that I've got. And I love Elijah's response to her because he responds to her with three of the most powerful words in all of scripture. He says, do not fear. Do not fear. It's easily said, more easily said than done sometimes, isn't it? Do not fear. How could Elijah be so confident? How could he be bold enough to ask her to meet this need that he had? Well, for starters, when Elijah was hiding out at the brook from King Ahab in fear of his life, the same God who commanded him to go to Zarephath, the place of refining, because he already provided his need, was sending ravens with food to make sure he was fed and sustained while he was in hiding. And then when he obeys God and goes to the city God tells him to go to because he's going to find a widow, who does he run into? A widow who's gathering sticks. And I wonder this morning if maybe you're playing tug of war with God. And God said, hey, I want you to do this. And you're pulling back saying, God, hold on a minute. I can't. I physically can't. I can't do this in the natural. It's not going to happen. I want to encourage you this morning with the words of Elijah, do not fear. Because the God of promise is a God of provision. He is a God of provision. So Elijah goes on to tell her to go and do as she said. He says, but first, make some bread and bring it to me. Then go and make some for you and your son. You guys can eat. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to be real with you this morning. If you only have enough for one final meal for you and your children, and some stranger walks up to you and says, hey, that sandwich you just got at Chick-fil-A, I want you to give it to me. Then you can go get something for you and your kids. I'm just going to be real with you all this morning. I love Chick-fil-A. But if some stranger comes up to me that I have never seen, that I have never met, says, hey, lady, give me your sandwich and you and your kid can go get something else. If that's all that I've got... And there's no hope that I'm going to get another Chick-fil-A sandwich. If there's no hope of any more food on the horizon, sorry, buddy, <laughs> I'm going to feed my kid. I'm going to feed my kid first. I'm just being real with you. In the flesh, wouldn't that be our response? I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Now, I could be super spiritual and say, yes, I'm going to pray for this sandwich. God's going to multiply it like you did the bread and the loaves. You're going to have some, and I'm going to have some, and everybody's going to have some. <laughs> but that's probably not what I'm going to be thinking in the moment. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my own. Yes. Elijah says, go get some bread. Go make some bread. Bring it to me first. And then you and your, and your son can eat. This woman has got to be thinking, man, this guy is crazy. I don't know where he came from. I don't know who he thinks he is. Asking me to give up all I have so he can get, get food. God is going to provide. Elijah says, make some bread. Bring it to me first. And you and your son can eat. Friends, can I tell you this morning, 
A little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. Elijah tells her not to fear, but to go and to do as she had planned, but feed him first because Thus says the Lord, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor the jar of oil be empty. That word exhausted in the Hebrew, it means to not cease. It means that it will not expire, that it will not waste. Now, if someone is telling you that your flour is never going to be exhausted or your oil is never going to run out, that's a pretty hefty promise when you got just enough left to make one final meal. If you're familiar with flour, you're familiar with baking or with cooking, you know, you have to store your flour carefully. You have to make sure it's sealed nice and tight. You have to make sure you use it within a particular, uh, particularly reasonable amount of time. Well, several years ago, I was baking something, and I found some flour in the back of the cupboard. Lord only knows how long the flour had been in there. So I took it out, and I filled my measuring cup with whatever it was I needed for what I was baking. And I was leveling it out like my grandma taught me. I took the back of my knife, and I scraped off the top. And as I did, you know, it was nice and smooth. And then all of a sudden, I kid you not, that flour started moving. And I dropped that flour cup and whatever I was making, and I just took a couple steps back. And I came to find out later that there were these little things called weevils that were inside of the flour, and that those little females come and they lay their eggs in the grain kernels, and then they kind of just appear in your flour. I wasn't planning on eating anything that day. But from this day on, I've never looked at flour the same. So I check and I check and I check and I check again. And then I double check to make sure my flour isn't moving because I don't want to eat flour that's alive. Yeah. And so Elijah says, listen, your flour's never going to expire. It's never going to run out. It's never going to have weevils in it. You're not going to have to worry about it staring back at you. It's not going to run out. But then he goes on to say the jar of oil is never going to be empty. Now, I don't know about you, but we use a lot of olive oil in our house. And uh, olive oil expires. If you don't use it by a particular date, it gets kind of rancid. It doesn't have that fresh taste that it should. But olive oil can be expensive, can it? Especially if you get that EVOO, that extra virgin olive oil. It's a little expensive. And so if somebody came and told me, hey, your oil's never going to run out, I'd be shouting hallelujah. I wouldn't have to buy it because our olive oil at home doesn't last long enough for it to go rancid. <laughs> we use it quite a bit. So Elijah says, listen, your flower's never going to expire. It's never going to run out. Your oil jar's never going to be empty until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. You've got to have enough because the God of promise is a God of provision. And so this is the word of the Lord that comes through Elijah. Elijah says the flower will never be exhausted. And here's what I found interesting as I was studying this word exhausted. It means something different in the Hebrew language than it does in our vernacular today. The word exhausted in the Hebrew that's used in this particular verse also means to prepare or make ready for someone. It also means to accomplish. 
And so God had been making the promise ready for the widow. Just as he had been making the promise ready for Elijah. Because the God of promise is a God of provision. And God is making your promise ready this morning. He's already accomplished it. It's the same word that's used, that exhausted word in the Hebrew is used in Genesis 2.1 to say, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. They were completed. They were accomplished. They were done. Elijah's telling the widow, listen, it's done. It's taken care of. The promise has already been fulfilled. Your need has already been provided for. It has been accomplished. And you see, just like the widow, God already knows what it is that you have need of this morning. Whether it's a financial need, whether it's a physical need, whether it's a spiritual or an emotional need, God knows exactly what it is. And he's already gone before you to provide what it is you need. He's already gone before you to fulfill that promise. All you have to do is believe that he's already gone before you. All you have to do is trust that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. But all too often, we say, God, I don't know about this. I don't know how this is going to happen. I, I don't know how I'm, I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to meet this need that I have. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Or just like a widow, we say, God, I can't take much more of this. This is going to kill me. This, this is going to be the death of me. I can't keep doing this. Yesterday in our ladies' Bible study, we referenced Jeremiah 29, 11 as it pertained to what we were talking about in the story and the life of Queen Esther. Jeremiah 29, 11, many of you are probably familiar with it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Don't you love that God makes it a declaration? He declares it. I know the plans that I have for you. And he goes on to say, they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. To give you a hope and a future. That word future in the Hebrew, it means after, later, behind, and following. After, later, behind, and following. Kind of a little different than what you and I think about when we hear the word future. After, later, behind, and following. And so in the Hebrew language, the past is described as in front of, and the future is described as behind. It's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Some have said, some have described it as saying it's like we're walking into the future backwards. And so I want to take just a minute and think about this and how this ties in to our story this morning. If God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, he makes a declaration that his plans for us include prosperity and hope and a future, which literally means what is after, behind, and following us, then every step and every day of our life, every breath that we take while we are on this 
this planet is known by Almighty God, by the creator of the universe. What is after, what is behind, and what is following. Our lives were known by him before there was time, before the foundations of the world. Scripture tells us that his thoughts toward us outnumber the sand of the shore. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty encouraging promise. And so, friends, this morning, your past, your present, and your future are known by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And while they may be unknown to you, they are not unnoticed or unknown by God, by the God of promise, by the God of provision. Scripture goes on to say that the widow went and did according to the word of Elijah. And that she and he and her household ate for many days. I want to step out on a limb here this morning and say that in order for us to have the provision of the promise, we have to do what the word of God says. In order for us to have the provision of the promise, we have to do what the word of God says. Because there are many promises in scripture, but there are also many curses. Many of those promises are conditional. If you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, you will be cursed. Take a look at what the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. The Lord says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you. Are you listening to the commands of the Lord this morning? Are you doing all that he's asked of you? So when we look at our text this morning, we see that not only did God provide the need that Elijah had, he provided for the need that the widow had, and he provided the need that her son had. There's a story written of Leslie Weatherhead, who was a a well-known preacher, once when he was in high school, it said that he had a very important examination that was coming up. And he recalled reading in the Bible that whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do. And so he believed that if he walked into that schoolroom that next Monday morning to take his exam, and he was prayed up that God was going to help him remember all he needed to know for his test, that he was going to get an A. So he didn't study. Kind of reminds me of when I was in Bible college, we had this little song that we would sing before finals and before our exams that said, why worry when you can pray, trust Jesus, he'll give you an A. Well, as Weatherhead soon found out, as many of us did in Bible college, that when the grades came in, he failed. And he was so disheartened. And he began to feel like the promises of God in Scripture weren't true. And he began to think, well, God, you can't hear me because I believe that you were going to give me an A on this test and I failed. And so he lost heart in the promises of God. So the following year, he had to repeat the course. He worked hard and he passed. And so this time he decided, well, God, I guess I really didn't need you. I could do this on my own because I didn't pray that you would help me. I just studied and I did it. Wasn't until many years later when he realized that the power and ability that he had within himself to pass the 
force where the power and ability that God had instilled within him. All he had to do was tap into him, and God had already fulfilled what it was he needed in order to pass that exam. And so I wonder this morning if you are trusting God to provide something for you, if you are trusting God to fulfill something in your life that he's already taken care of. Something that he's already given you the power and the ability and the finances to take care of. But he's just saying, listen, I need you to be a better steward of it. I need you to be a little bit better with what I've given you. You've already got it. You just have to tap into it. You just have to believe that I've already given you what you need. Or maybe you're standing there like the widow and you're saying, God, I'm standing in the need of a miracle this morning. And you're waving your hands. It's me. It's me, Lord. I'm standing in the need this morning. I've got this pressing need that I can't hold on much longer. I can't go on. I can't face this much longer. Friends, do not fear. Because the God of promise is a God of provision. He's the God who goes before you. He's the God who told his people in Isaiah 45, 2, I will go before you and level the mountains. How many of you need some mountains leveled this morning? God's already gone before you because he's a God of promise. He's a God of provision. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to sing a song that we, we sang in the beginning of our service this morning. We sang it last week and the words are just very simple but I want to encourage you this morning. You're standing in the need of a miracle today to stretch your arms toward heaven and say, God, it's me. I'm here. I want to challenge you this morning to believe that God is still a God of miracles. That he's gone before you and he's already begun leveling mountains on your behalf. And so this morning you just need a reminder that God is fighting for you. That he's provided everything that you need because he's a God of promise. He's a God of provision this morning. And so we're just going to lift our hands and we're going to worship him this morning. We're going to believe him for our miracle. Hallelujah, Jesus.
That, God, you would meet it in abundance. Because you are the God who does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, our provider this morning. And, God, we're calling on your name to meet every need. Father, there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that you don't know about. And so, Lord, how much more do you know your children? How much more do you know the needs that they have? So, Father, I pray this morning, whatever need is represented here, Father, whatever kind of need it might be, I pray that you would meet it above and beyond what is required. Father, I thank you this morning that you've gone before us just like you did with Elijah. You already had someone waiting to fulfill the need that he had. Father, I thank you that you've gone before us, that you've already leveled our mountains. But God, I pray that we would have the faith the size of a mustard seed this morning to speak to those mountains and watch them be removed and thrown into the sea. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, for all you continue to do, and all that you have yet to do. Father, we give you all the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor this morning. And God's people said amen, amen, and amen. Friends, we love you this morning. We're praying for you. We're believing for a season of breakthrough. We're believing for a season of miracles this morning. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is impossible because with God, all things, not some things, all things are possible. We're believing that for each of you this morning. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFND.com.